lately it has felt like every time that I have preached or, or taught that I find myself thinking, now this is one of the great peaks in all of Scripture. And the truth is, the Bible is, is like that. It's like a mountain range where you have just peak after peak after peak. In the valleys, you have the genealogies, portions of Leviticus. But um, today, uh, we, have, uh, we have one of the great peaks as we look at the second chapter of Paul's letter to the Philippians. And I hope that you'll uh, go home and take a look at the first part of our passage, ponder the part where Paul uh, calls the stress and suffering of Philippian church uh, to unity in the midst of opposition uh, and humble service to one another. Uh, but for our purposes this morning, uh, I just we're going to take a look at what St. Paul says makes this unity and humble service possible. Uh, we're going to look at Paul's famous and beautiful poetic description of the ministry of Jesus. Because in just these few verses, we literally have Christmas and Good Friday and Easter and Jesus coming again. And so we'll take a look at these uh, remarkable verses and then ask why they matter to us. Well, first, Paul says uh, that Jesus was God. That's what he means when he says that Jesus was in the form of God and did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or a thing to be sought after or attained because he was God. He was God. He is God. He ever shall be God through and through with everything that that implies. Uh, his rightful place has always been the throne room of God in glory and in splendor, in righteousness and in majesty, with the train of his robe filling the temple and the cherubim calling out to him, holy, holy, holy. It's the rightful place of Jesus. He is the Son of God. And yet he willingly departed from that glory and entered into the world that he had made. The same world that had also willingly departed from glory and now was in such a profound state of brokenness and sin that there was nothing that the world could do about it. And in most places it didn't care. The Gospel of John tells us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And St. Paul tells us that he emptied himself, that is, of his great glory, taking the form of a servant being born in the likeness of men. From the form of God to human form. And I don't think we can really get our heads around just how far a flight that is. Or the goodness of God's heart that he would willingly stoop so low. I mean, the descent from the throne room of heaven to a dirty Bethlehem stable from Almighty God to vulnerable infant is stunning indeed. And yet, the breadth, the breadth of the descent from the pure holiness of heaven to a world wracked and depraved by open rebellion against God is, I think, for us unfathomable. Yet, it's the Christmas story. The 
baby in the manger, God incarnate. But it didn't stop there. St. Paul tells us that being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And so here's Good Friday. And seeing it paired so closely with Christmas, with the incarnation, makes it that much more astounding because he who was God descended from heaven to live among us the perfect life that we were created to live. In fact, the perfect life that his law would have us to live. Where he died the gruesome and pitiful death of a hardened criminal. It wasn't merely a tragic case of mistaken identity. There on the cross, he imputed to himself our sin. Our criminal sin before God uh, that Jesus died for. And he unwrapped the sin from around you and around me. And then he wrapped himself up in our sin so that he could offer to us, ascribe to us, and wrap us up in his righteousness, his perfection before God. It's Good Friday. But then there's Easter. God highly exalted, exalted Jesus, St. Paul says. He raised him up on the third day. The Easter liturgy uh, says that by his death, he destroyed death. And by his rising to life, that he has won for us everlasting life. He is the risen, exalted king who now has the name above every name. And when he comes again in glory, and he will, then every knee will bow. In heaven, and on earth, and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So there it is, in five verses, the biography of the Son of God, the atoning King, our Rescuer, our Redeemer. Pretty neat. But it's so much more than just neat. And here's why. See, Jesus, Jesus didn't just come for humanity. He came for you. It wasn't just our sin that was forgiven and swapped for his righteousness, but your sin and my sin. He didn't just come to rescue humanity, but he came to rescue you. And so in a very real, real way, it's not just his story, but it's your story and my story. Now I happen to know it's because of my position at the church. I happen to know that many of you, many of us, many of our family, are going through very difficult times right now. And for some of us, uh, we are plagued in our hearts and minds by something that we have done, or something that we have said, or something that we continue to do. And the burden of our sin is grievous unto us. Well, for others of us, we're carrying around the sin that someone else has committed against us. It's like old shrapnel underneath scar tissue. It pains us with every step. And the hurt and the resentment that comes from those are suffocating. Some of us 
or grieved by circumstances that are really just outside of our control, like the loss of a loved one or an illness, ours or someone else's that we love. And there are still others who are uh, carrying around a dull but haunting emptiness and the voiceless plea that there just there must be something more than this. And there are countless other things, just untold numbers of iterations in each of our lives. And we try to deal with them, we try to address them, to fix them, we try to drown them out with activity, or medicate them, or outrun them. It's like playing whack-a-mole. I mean, one pops up and we do our best to get it down, another one pops over, up over here, and then we get that down, but the first one pops up again, and it just never ends. I know that from your lives, and I know that from my life. But you know what? These, these are the very reasons that Jesus came. This is why Jesus gave up the robe that filled the temple and the, gave up the praise of the angels and was born to a young virgin mother in a feeding trough. It is for our hurts, for our anxiety for our brokenness, for our self-righteousness, for our relentless and fruitless striving to fix it and to overcome it all on our own. Divine love was made manifest, made incarnate. And not just love as an emotion, but love as redemption, as reconciliation with the Father, as restoration and as relief weary souls. God came down to offer himself to you, his own perfectly lived life, as the atoning sacrifice to set the captives free. Free from the cage of our own sin, free from the cage of our own broken hearts, free from the cage of our own grief. God came down for you and for me. The story is told of a distinguished British violinist. His name was Peter Cropper. And his work was so outstanding that the Royal Academy of Music in London honored him by loaning him a 260-year-old Stradivarius violin. I mean, it, it was his, his dream come true. And he made that violin sing to the delight of crowds all over Europe. One night he was playing in Finland, and after the, the performance, the unthinkable happened when he tripped and he fell on top of the Stradivarius and broke it. He was inconsolable. And he picked up the pieces as best he could, and he carried it back to London. But a friend told him about a master craftsman. One that he had not known before, oddly enough. And he took it to the master craftsman. And the repairs were so perfect that they could not even be seen. And the notes soared more beautifully than ever. All because the broken instrument was placed in the hands of the master. And his healing touch applied. Now, I don't know what brokenness lies beneath the surface 
for you this morning. But I know this. That the Son of God came to heal and to make whole in this life and in the next. And just as our hurts and our sins prove time and again our need for the saving hand of the Master upon us, so to His life, His death, His resurrection directly demonstrate to us His goodness, His mercy, His grace, His abiding faithfulness. God came down and He sent His Holy Spirit and He will come again for you.